the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Remember that this is the effort of a human or a group of humans to encapsulate in their own words a summary of what the Bible teaches about a particular topic. Pastor Leighton Sheely is continuing his study on doctrines. He divides them into primary doctrines and secondary doctrines. That first category represents those things that impact our salvation. The secondary doctrines, well, those are the things that divide us, and I'm sure you're familiar with some of those. This is part two, and if you've missed part one, you can find it on the website, studyversebyverse.com. One scholar identifies 16 essential doctrines, and they are as follows. God's unity, God's triunity or trinity, human depravity, Christ's virgin birth, Christ's sinlessness. Now, you might say, duh, pastor. But, you know, according to a survey I read a number of years ago, and I think it came from Barna, uh, 61% of people who call themselves Christians today, 61% do not believe that Jesus was sinless. Now, if you think it through, that doesn't even make any sense if you use logic. Because if Jesus wasn't sinless, then he was a sinner, which means he couldn't be the Savior because he'd be in debt just like the rest of us. And yet 61% haven't even considered that. They don't know their Bible. They don't know their doctrine, but they call themselves Christian. Christ's sinlessness, Christ's deity, Christ's humanity the necessity of God's grace, the necessity of faith, Christ's atoning death, Christ's bodily resurrection, Christ's bodily ascension, Christ's intercession, Christ's second coming, the inspiration of Scripture, and the method of interpretation, the interpretation of Scripture. So these are the 16 that this particular author has identified. Other lists might um, list these core doctrines differently. For instance, <clears throat> Christ's virgin birth, sinlessness, deity, and humanity are all related to Christology, which is the study of Christ. The necessity of God's grace and faith are related to soteriology, which is the study of salvation. Now, some of these ologies overlap. Uh, For instance, in the Oxford Dictionary of the Christian Church, it defines soteriology as the section of Christian theology which treats of the saving work of Christ for the world. It includes not only the doctrines of atonement and grace, but also the doctrine of human nature as affected by the fall and by sin, which is the presupposition of Christ's work, and the doctrine of man's final destiny as the result of that work. So you can see that uh, these ologies overlap. You know, I like the simplicity with which one scholar identified and organized his 
study of doctrine. He has simply eight points to it. Now listen to the eight points and I'll elaborate a little bit on why I like it. Number one, introduction. Number two, Bible. Number three, God. Then creation, sin, salvation, church, last things. This this systematic approach is logical and succinct. It begins with an introduction to the subject. It moves on to the Bible from which we get all of the rest of the information. The Bible reveals God whose creation was affected by sin. God chose to save his creation and the church is part of his plan to make all things new, which is part of the final things or eschatology. So it's logical and it's succinct. So you can see here that <clears throat> approaches differ as to organizing doctrines systematically. Now, perhaps one of the best places, therefore, for us to turn as we begin our study of the Christian doctrines is to give attention to the early creeds of the church. You see, some of the most brilliant scholars in the history of the church gathered for those first councils to encapsulate as best they could what the Bible teaches. Now, no human formulation of words can express Christian truth in total comprehensiveness, but nevertheless, the church is called to express the structure and content of biblical truth as it was received by the apostles. Now, the essential doctrines are reflected in church, church, the church's ancient statements of faith called creeds. Creeds are summaries of what the Bible teaches. The Apostles' Creed is one of the earliest statements of faith crafted by Christian leaders to clarify basic fundamental beliefs. In fact, it is included in our church statement of faith, which is available online if you'd like to take a look at it. Let me read it for you and listen to what the Apostles' Creed says. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. Now I need to digress here for just a moment because I need to clarify something. The Apostles' Creed says the Holy Catholic Church... And uh, at the time that this was written, it was not, the word Catholic was not a reference to the Roman Catholic Church. That didn't even exist at this point. The word Catholic meant universal, the universal Christian church. And so if you look at our, our statement of faith uh, on, our, on our website, this word is missing. And the word is missing simply because in order for us to uh, make it clear, we'd have to explain the word. And if we had to launch into explaining the word, some people could get lost on the Apostles' Creed. They say, well, if they have to explain something, it must be something wrong. No, there's not anything wrong. It's just that uh, over time, the word has come to a different meaning since the time that it was written in the original Apostles' Creed. We believe in the Holy Catholic or Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the flesh, and the life everlasting. Amen. 
That is the Apostles' Creed. And in the Apostles' Creed here are 14 of those 16 essential doctrines that I mentioned earlier. And uh, the two additional doctrines are found in the Nicene Creed. Now, let me give you a little bit of background on the reason for the creeds. The reason for the councils gathering together was that after Christianity was legalized in the Roman Empire around 313 A.D., uh, there was a proliferation of teaching under the Christian banner that was all over the place. And so what the, the, the church leaders did is to get together and they discussed what was being taught and what the Bible said. And so they went back to the Bible to find out what the Bible has to say about these particular subjects and topics and things that were being taught. And so what they did is they, they drafted a statement as clear, concise, and complete as they could to address the particular heresy or heresies that were in circulation at the time. And that's why there was more than one council, because after they fixed one set of heresies, then somebody else comes up with a new heresy, and, and they had to get together and, and talk about that. So, for instance, the Athanasian Creed dealt with a different set of heresies than the Apostles' Creed. The Athanasian Creed was directed against heresies like tritheism, that is belief in three gods instead of one god, monophysitism which is belief in the commingling of the two natures in Christ, Nestorianism, belief that the two natures are independent, Arianism, belief that Jesus was uh, created and not divine, that contradicts John chapter 1, Adoptionism, belief that Jesus was merely a man who was adopted into the Godhead as son, a variation of that is taught in the Mormon church today, Apollinarianism, belief that Jesus is partially human, Annihilism, belief that some souls are going to be destroyed instead of spending eternity in hell, and universalism, which is the belief that everyone is going to be saved, which is contrary to what Jesus said in John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, that's everybody, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. And so um, the Bible says that the universalism is not something that's, that's biblical. And yet it was being taught. And so what the councils got together was to uh, encapsulate in, in as few words as possible, as concisely and complete and clear as possible, what the Bible taught. And they did this because at that time in history, most Christians were illiterate. They couldn't read. They couldn't write. And not only that, but the Gutenberg Press had not yet been created. And therefore, every book was basically hand-copied, which took an immense amount of time and effort and money and, and skill and so forth. And so there was a great dependence on the typical Christian believer and the teacher at the church that they went to, the pastor, the preacher, the priest, the teacher, to tell them what the Bible said and what it meant. And that's why in many of the traditions of churches that have long histories, that's why their priest is endowed with such authority. It goes back to a time when the congregation was illiterate, couldn't read the Bible for themselves, and depended on that teacher to tell them what God's Word said and what it meant. And so what the councils did is to take and encapsulate in a creed what the Bible taught about these subjects. And, and the people would come together and they would memorize the creeds. People memorize things a lot easier then than they do now. And so when the people were out, the people of the congregation were out, and they were hearing some teaching, and it contradicted what they had learned in the creed, they knew that what they were being taught was heresy. 
And that gives you a background of why the councils got together and why the creeds were written. And really, the new uh, things that are happening are nothing new. They're just the same old repackaged problems that the early church uh, had to deal with. And so if we, if we learn these creeds, if we memorize these creeds, it can help us understand the foundations of Christian doctrine. You know, I hope this study by Pastor Leighton Sheely will drive you to more study on your own. Pastor Leighton will mention a number of authors during this series. J.I. Packer is a name which will come up often in his messages. And there is a great book by Dr. Packer called Confirming the Apostles' Creed. That might be a good place to start if you'd like further study. This is a broadcast called Study Verse by Verse, a ministry outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us. If you missed part one, you can download it on our ministry website, studyversebyverse.com. Please remember that we're a local, nonprofit outreach and depend upon your financial support and your prayers. You can help us financially by contributing safely on that website, studyversebyverse.com. I'm Mike Trout. Inviting you back tomorrow at this same time when we'll once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse.